0: Welcome to this week's episode of Apple at Work, the podcast where we talk about all things Apple and the enterprise. My name is Bradley Chambers, your host, as always. This week, we have first-time guests on the show, Aaron Kimley from Jamp. Aaron, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: First time guests on the show. We, we've had um, plenty of, of JAMF uh, experts on, on past episodes. This show is, you know, gosh, two and a half years old at this point. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe. But uh, for those of our in our listener audience that don't know who you are, uh, what do you do at JAMF? Uh,
1: I am the Chief Information Security Officer here at JAMF, which means, uh, in part, I am responsible for security outcomes. Whatever those outcomes may be, whatever the subject, whether it is uh, privacy, compliance, security, incidents, presentation out to the world, uh, I am responsible for dragging all those outcomes into a tolerable place from our uh, risk perspective.
0: So uh, basically what I'm hearing is you go to bed early, you don't work that many hours, and you never wake up in the middle of the night scared about anything.
1: Well, it's safe to say that Jamf is awesome and things do tend to go very well, but, uh, y- you know, there are moments of stress here and there. The the,
0: the life of uh, someone in, in security, certainly at the C-level, is really just always looking around the corner. Like, what, what is the risk I need to be aware of? Because uh, in some ways, the risk that you're not thinking of is as big of a deal as the one that maybe is on in front and center. Um, but, I mean, obviously, like security, math, something that you're really... In, impacts everything we do uh, in technology. Um, I mean, and I said this on a couple shows now. Uh, there there used to be this paradigm of that security was fighting against productivity. Um, and it's like it was a pendulum. And, and as you swung one way or the other, the other was impacted. And I really think because of this, the foundations that a lot of our technology is built upon in 2023, um, it's really hand in hand now where you have security with productivity. It's productivity with security. Um, and I, I think particularly for the, for those of us on uh, the, like the Apple side of things, that, that's really a lot of the work that Apple has done. Uh, I'm thinking back to this IDC report that just came out that, that was on Apple's website, looking at like how, how you know, how important the end to end option that apple has from from the silicon to the firmware to the software to system is like that's that's something that like enterprise ctos are thinking about today um and really apple um is, is really kind of fits in there nicely they're, they're really i mean what other company um of end-user devices is responsible for everything and i don't i don't think anybody else is so but it's it, the reason we really, really had you on today um, is it's Cybersecurity Awareness Month. It is October. Uh, it is can be a scary topic. So um, give us the rundown. What is Cybersecurity Awareness Month? Where did it come from? Why do we celebrate it? Or why do we not celebrate it, but why do we call out attention to it?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month is uh, a public-private partnership backed by the CISA government organization, uh, and it's been going on for for twenty odd years now, <clears throat> and it is it is a time to underscore the importance of cybersecurity and just engage with your organization and the public about security as a topic and, and why they should be more aware uh, and perhaps take a bit more ownership of that security story themselves. <clears throat> you know, you mentioned a moment ago the the historic. Uh, security department of no kind of authoritarian way of approaching things. Uh, you know, that that's in the past, right? Now you have to be a business enabler. You have to tie your uh, security program into the business and be concerned about productivity and really think about risk and have a cohesive strategy and story around risk. And Cybersecurity Awareness Month is a great opportunity to broaden the number of people in that conversation uh, and make sure that you're getting lots of feedback and you're finding ways to educate people about this risk.
0: Yeah, I think two things have happened um, in, in recent years. I think security has come; it has come to the like the the sea the level, like in terms of like outside of the CTO, the CISO, um, the the CMO. Uh, is now thinking about security. Uh, the the CEO is thinking about security. The board is thinking about security. Uh, and, I, and I think that's I think it's really, really good. But I also think what's happened on the other side is your CTOs, your CISOs are also thinking about security. Because again, there are always things, there are always knobs you can dial to make things more secure. Like that would be, there's tons of them. But then you start impacting the big business negatively from productivity, revenue, et cetera, et cetera. So I think like you've had this really healthy um, partnership where everybody in the organization is concerned about productivity with technology, but also everybody in the organization is also aware of security. Uh, Where I don't think that was the case 15 years ago, 10 years ago. No,
1: I I think you're absolutely right. You know, finance and business leaders, they have a long history of thinking about risk, and they have really great models and, and a great mindset for risk, but they didn't pull that into cybersecurity risk, right? Those sorts of operational risks, uh, you know, often were below their purview. I think that that has definitely changed. And we're seeing uh, finance leaders in particular be significant drivers of positive change and and influence in the security community.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, again, I think everybody now recognizes like the risk. um, I mean, again, to go back to the finance example, like you're, you your finance leader understands the risk to, to the revenue if there's a data breach, like everybody gets this now that we've had enough examples over the years. Um, so again, I, I think it's a great month. I think it's, I think uh, you know the fact that it kind of coincides with Halloween, I guess is happy accident. I don't know. Uh, makes for, makes for a really, really good marketing opportunities in my opinion. But um, yeah, obviously at, at Jampt, you see, you see a lot. Uh, Jampt has customers that, that are in every industry. Uh, there's, probably not a, there's probably not an industry that you all don't uh, serve as a device management vendor. What are your, uh, kind of like top three things that are face You know, what are the threats that businesses face today? What are those? You know, ones that they should really, really be aware. You know,
1: aware of. Yeah, I think the emerging threats, and you know, like you mentioned, it is always the case that security has has moved right. It, it's constantly in motion, and it's it's defined by this flexibility uh, because you know, unlike problems in IT or perhaps other places in the business. Uh, there's an opposition party you know there is a there's a group of you know nefarious actors who are looking to pivot as fast as you pivot. Uh, so you always have to be looking forward. So thinking about uh, you know the top threats that are really facing businesses today that are emerging right now uh, certainly AI powered, uh, tooling both for exploit and perhaps even even more seriously around phishing uh, is really becoming a serious issue. Phishing has been an issue for a long time, right? Uh, y- you know, there's at least a 20-year history of serious phishing campaigns. But that being said, large language models and AI/ML tools. Uh, deep fakes. There are many ways to make phishing message incredibly effective and persuasive that just didn't exist before. Uh, you know, you used to be able to say, "Well, hover over the link and see if it looks sketchy," and you could count on the language uh, being uh, poorly written or badly translated. You know, those sorts of things just just aren't the case anymore. Phishing messages can be incredibly persuasive uh, and. Uh, And it's a problem that is going to continue to get worse.
0: This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Adagy. Adagy is a cloud-based IT management platform for managing macOS, iOS, iPadOS, and tvOS devices. As the only multi-tenant Apple device management and MDM solution, purpose-built for MSPs and IT teams, Adagy gives you the features and functionality to manage Apple devices to the same standard as your Windows devices across multiple clients and locations. Adagy is extremely flexible and a proactive MDM solution that adapts to your needs whether you manage 100 or 100 or 10,000 Apple devices. It includes real-time monitoring alerts for managing your Apple fleet all over the world through a single console. You get access to all of Adagy's features included in your base price. And Adagy's solution can help your team focus on your IT strategy rather than spending all of your time running and tweaking an MDM. Learn more about Adagy at adagy.com slash 9to5mac. That's A-D-D-I-G-Y dot com slash 9to5mac. Thanks to Adagy for sponsoring Apple at Work this week. No, the, the deep fake, as interesting you brought that up, because that's something that, that um, I really have been thinking about a lot. I mean, you think about, you know, we've all seen the the scam text messages from the company CEO. It's like, hey, I need you to run to to Target and get Apple gift cards for a vendor, you know, whatever. Like, obviously, like that's like we all see those today. Everybody kind of knows it. What's going to happen when you get a phone call, a voicemail from your CEO and their voice that sounds just like them that. You say, "Hey, I need you to wire this much money." Like, what is the what is the accountant supposed to do when they get a phone call from the CEO? This it sounds just like their voice that says, "Hey, uh, here's some information on money. I need you to wire this money." Cal, like, that's going to be hard to know what's real and what's not. And I think that's where companies are going to have to develop policies and procedures that like have additional steps. So it's almost like the the two factor authentication of Anything that would be directed over over voice or even video, um, uh, because it's going to be. Oh,
1: I'm sorry. I, I for one, you know, I've encouraged folks, employees uh, at the company, to you know be proactive and think about these things because they have a responsibility, right, for this. But I've also opened the door to executive leadership for these folks. You know, I've told everyone in every layer of the company, you know, if the CEO sends you a message or you get a call and something seems weird, uh, you know, you are absolutely empowered to walk over to their desk, to give them a call, uh, to talk to others. You know, if you think it seems weird, you need to take action and say something, you, you know, you have a responsibility for that.
0: No, absolutely. Well, and, I, and I, you wonder too, if, if deep fakes are going to actually be good in for, for security and that's, that's crazy, but it's going to force us to like develop better processes for authorizing things. um, where again, you're not, you just is like, we're not going to like wire money based on a text message. It's going to get to where it's like, you're going to need more. It's like, Hey, the CEO or this there, or so-and-so co- leader of the company is not going to be able to authorize things just with their voice or even just with their video. Like there's going to need to be secondary measures to say, Hey, I, I, I'm going to, you know, let's say if it's a legitimate thing, CEO is going to call somebody and say, Hey, I we have this new, Thing we're working on, I I need you to wire this money or this, that, and the other, and that person is going to say the CEO is going to say like, "Hey, I'm also going to go through our processes. You're going to get a ticket with this through our Jira system, or there's going to have to be secondary things to confirm to authorize that you're not going to be able to trust uh, just the voice or even just the video. Again, you know, it's going to be, "Hey, I'm going to uh, call you," or we're going to have to have secondary policies because again, it's not you know you're going to have to assume. You're going to, to get to where you're going to have to assume things are deep fakes, and I think that's a just a major concern. But again, we dealt with this with spam, we dealt with this with like phishing. It, it's just kind of what's gonna. It's kind of just what's going to happen. Um, no, gosh, you know, I think this is going to be very, very quickly how this thing, these things are going to happen. Um, yeah,
1: the what, days, what The days of like giving your CEO a little bit of extra slack and not making them push tickets in. You know, they don't have to follow the process because you want to provide them good. Yeah, those days are over. If you can't trust what you hear and you can't trust what you see, you have to have process. It is the only effective defense against this sort of attack.
0: Well, and a CEO, a a really security-minded CEO is going to understand that uh, and and really want you to do that. Um, What else are you concerned about? So we've got, you know, advanced phishing over AI, deep fakes. What else are you concerned about?
1: I think the ransomware problem continues to evolve. Uh, I think that this is not a surprising one. And kind of like we talked about, there's always evolution and things are getting, getting better and better. Uh, you know, when it comes to practical risk, ransomware is absolutely a serious risk for many businesses. Uh, you know, but if I'm thinking about more novel risks, you uh, you know, As we continue to cement ourselves in the remote work revolution here, uh, it has expanded the potential attack surface for a lot of businesses, and it expands what vulnerabilities and what exploits you need to worry about. Now you need to include in your boundary all these remote access systems and personal devices that are used for work, insecure home networks that can all be exploited, I think this is a real problem that we we in the security community don't have a excellent solution for, or certainly not one that's turnkey, right? Uh, you know, the solution is to, to be really good at fundamentals of security, which are always quite difficult. But I think that this evolving threat landscape of moving your boundary of your business and what you have to worry about into the home and onto people's personal devices and mobile devices. I think this is going to be a, a key uh, area of trouble in, in the coming years.
0: Now it's um, the remote work stuff. Again, I think it's good and bad in a way. So it's like it has opened up more kind of threat surface, but there again, I think too, when you, you when the perimeter, like when you almost like looked at the perimeter as a secure vehicle, it probably opened you up to additional risk that you weren't concerned about. So by not assuming anywhere is secure, um, it's yeah, it's opened up you know, additional places for vulnerability. But it's also probably hardened your overall posture, um, you know, end to end.
1: I think that's right. You have to this idea of zero trust, right, or minimizing the amount of trust you put in any individual element, right? A person, a device, a process, uh, and making sure that you're repeatedly authenticating those things, you know, in real time as you go along. This move to zero trust, you know, uh, the hard perimeter, uh, you know, focus on firewalls and edges, that was great 15 years ago. And if you did a really excellent job there and you had great hardware and good people, you could be reasonably confident. Uh, we're long past that, you know. Now, identity is the edge, and the home is the edge, and the per- there is no perimeter, or the perimeter is everywhere. Uh, you know, you really need to look at these technologies. Uh, you know, thinking back about the uh, cybersecurity month, strong passwords, MFA, uh, updating your software pass keys you know all these sorts of elements that that let you secure yourself anywhere are going to be more and more vital and you know zero trust is a great example the more you're zero trust and you understand each individual transaction needs to be secured separately uh, you know the better your program's going to be for the threats that you know about and most of the threats that haven't quite revealed themselves yet
0: well, PaxKeys are, are a good example of a technology that really kind of has no negatives. Um, it's it's one of those the industry kind of really worked together to build out this pretty unique technology that is really unlocks a lot of security. But on the flip side, and I wrote an article about this a few months ago. I don't. There's there's nothing about my biometrics data that I want in any cloud anywhere. And I really think back to when Apple first launched Touch ID, and they made such a big deal about the secure enclave and how, like, hey, um, it uh, this is this never syncs to iCloud. And this was a time when like everybody wanted everything to sync everywhere. Um, and they made such a big deal, said, hey, Touch ID stays on the device, that's local. And then so now today, you know, you know, I don't know, ten years later. People really trust Touch ID on their Mac, and that really unlocks a lot of security options on um, uh, for passkeys as well. And again, when, when you, you know, it really eliminates a lot of risk with with phishing, etc. So, really, really, you know, critical technology here. Um, but again, it's the industry working together.
1: Absolutely, passkeys is, is brilliant. The whole Fido token to passkey evolution, that entire tech stack is is brilliant it is great security but something you said really resonates right you know when you think about where these problems are where they exist it's in what you trust if you trust your biometrics on your local device that is where all these nefarious criminal actors that's where they're going to invest their time right there is no technology that isn't going to fall to some sort of exploit down the road Uh, You always, again, have to be in motion and the program needs to be aware and thinking about things as they move. Uh, But, you know, frankly, the burden on evildoers is getting really high. Pass keys is great technology. Bypassing that, especially if you're an Apple-centric person and you've got Apple Silicon and T2 security and excellent native controls the burden on people to wreck your day is really high. No, I,
0: I agree. And again, so you think about it again, like, you know, large language models, the AI technology, I mean, all this stuff is like, although it nefarious actors have access to it, so does the good guys. And, and I, I would argue a lot of good things have happened in recent years for, for the security industry that have given a leg up to users uh, versus versus the bad actors. I do think there's been, you know, we've, again, there's been certainly been breaches and negatives everywhere, but I think kind of the foundational technologies are, 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 are you know, kind of coming along well.
1: Yeah, um, i have been doing this for a really long time and the pendulum keeps swinging, right? Good guys, bad guys, so to speak. Uh, who is in ascendance? Who has the easier mission? We are in a place now, like you say, where the tech stack and the capabilities of security tools in these platforms is so good that if you really invest effort in securing your environment, you can secure your environment at a level and easier and at a higher level than really ever before.
0: Well, and I think we'll wrap up here. I think that's why I think nefarious actors are moving to the supply chain. I mean, I, I just think back to the solar solar winds a couple years ago. I mean, you know, these supply chain hacks are, Becoming where you've got to go because the things on the endpoint are getting so good in terms of security, you've kind of got to move up the chain. Well, and again, that goes back to this IDC survey of, you know, Apple. You know, they built Apple Silicon, they build the hardware, they build the software, they're building the firmware, and so they, they're more aware of what's going on. And they're not just buying off; they're not buying chips from somebody else and just building them in. I think that's the. That, that's the reason that's become such, you know, supply chains because such a big concern is because that's where the nefarious actors are having to go.
1: Uh, and I think that's a great point. And if you think about the the other attacks that I mentioned as risks, you know, supply chain, phishing, ransomware, mobile devices, the thing that these all have in common is, uh, you know, When you're talking about devices at home and personal mobile BYOD devices and the supply chain and ransomware and phishing, these are all things that are on the fringes. None of them are attacking your central systems uh, directly. They're all end runs around effective security programs. Uh, So I think you're absolutely right. The easier it gets to secure core technology, the more these novel attacks that are coming from out of left field uh, are going to be more pressing.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. And I think um, that's why it's one of the reasons I love Apple. Uh, I I think Apple Silicon is from from a security point of view is just as big of an innovation as the speed increases it brought. Um, I, I really do. And I don't think we were thinking about that, you know, when I've, you know, we've been really, it's really. I guess, been three years since the first Apple Silicon computers came on the market. I, I don't know about you. I wasn't thinking about that when they launched it. All I cared about was the speed increases and the battery life increases. But I think fundamentally the, the security increases around that uh, are going to be just as important in the long run.
1: Yeah, you know, you, you can secure a Windows device to a very high degree. Linux as well. But fresh out of the box, to have an end-to-end security platform that goes from your Mac to your phone, to your enterprise, and at all levels, security can really be assured, uh, that is brilliant.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Aaron, that's a great way to end it. Uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, I think it is one of those, it, it, uh, like I said, it coming in October is probably a happy accident uh, with Halloween. But I, I do think one of the cool things I've seen in the last 10 years is, as we mentioned, Everybody in the organization is concerned about security now. It's not just the security team, IT team. Everybody's thinking about it, and I think that's, that's one of the reasons we're in such a better place today. Again, there are threats everywhere, but we're certainly more aware of them. Um, any final words before we sign off for the show today?
1: Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate a chance to talk about this. Uh, everybody should take a look at uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month Uh, Look at there's lots of materials out on CISA's website. Uh, You know, look at your favorite vendors, your favorite companies. No doubt they have some content out there. Consume it all, learn uh, and continue to help us uh, drive this global security uh, risk down to something really manageable.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think that's one of the cool things about the technology industry is uh, all the companies compete against everybody. But when. Security, You know, when it comes to security, everybody's on the same page. It's, it's an us versus them when it comes to the you know, bad guys. So, uh, Aaron, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show, and we'll, we'll look forward to having you on again real soon. And um, thanks for spending some time with us. Take care, all.